This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, June 30th, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, we've got some bad news for Nissan, bad news for everyone but Tesla, and a little good news for GM. Plus, a conversation with J.D. Powers' David Amadeo about why initial auto quality scores are at an all-time low in 2022. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Nissan plans to exit the full-size pickup market. That's after years of failing to make a major dent in a giant segment that is dominated by Detroit automakers. A source who asked not to be identified told Automotive News that Nissan is determining whether to pull the plug on the Titan for the 2024 or 2025 model year. The source said in no uncertain terms, it's dead. Nissan North America spokesman Brian Brockman said the Titan, quote, remains in Nissan's truck lineup for the 2022 model year and beyond. And quote, Titan is an important part of Nissan's showroom. The model got a $230 million update in 2019 with a more powerful V8 engine and updated styling, but it failed to move the needle on market share. The car market is doomed if electric vehicles don't become more affordable soon. That's according to at least one executive at Stellantis, which is trying to cut the cost of making EVs by 40% this decade. Stellantis chief manufacturing officer, Arnold DeBuff said yesterday that if EVs don't get more affordable, quote, the market will collapse. European Union countries this week endorsed the push to eliminate carbon emissions from new cars by 2035. While Stellantis will comply with the decision, CEO Carlos Tavares says policymakers don't appear to care whether automakers have enough raw materials to make the full switch to EVs in little more than a decade. Stellantis plans to introduce more than 75 fully electric models in that time. When you think of affordable EVs, Tesla probably isn't the first company that comes to mind, but that doesn't seem to be affecting their brand loyalty. S&P Global Mobility compiled new data that show brand loyalty falling across the industry since the beginning of inventory shortages in March 2021. Tesla was a big exception. It was one of three luxury brands that didn't experience a decline in loyalty in that time, joining Maserati and Genesis, which are far smaller brands. S&P's associate director and loyalty principal, Tom Libby, called Tesla's brand loyalty success a, quote, frankly ominous trend for the rest of the industry. Mainstream brands such as Ford, Hyundai, and Chevrolet saw loyalty rates decline nearly three percentage points since March of 2021. As we said at the top, There's at least one tiny nugget of good news for one of those mainstream automakers. GM is investing $100 million in a separate business unit in Shanghai to expand Chinese imports of some of its more popular and profitable vehicles. Those are models that are sold mostly in North America. GM's China unit said today that the new import business will address evolving demand in the niche market. Its product portfolio will include full-size SUVs, pickup trucks, and performance cars, likely under the Chevrolet, Cadillac, and Hummer banners. The announcement was light on other details. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we got the annual Car Wars study from Bank of America and Merrill Lynch. It says 60% of new models will be EVs or hybrids by 2026. 
Do you think that could mean half of all new vehicle sales will be EVs by that time? Probably not. You know, like the executive from Stellantis pointed out earlier in our program, the prices on EVs are really high. You might have 40% of the market EVs and 60% electrified, but if the prices are, are higher than the other vehicles, they're not going to get to 40 or 50% of the market. Not that fast. Well, I wish I could say we'd have some good news coming up, Jamie, but a study this week from J.D. Power says initial vehicle quality scores are at record lows this year. We'll hear from the firm's director of global automotive, David Amadeo, next on Daily Drive. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. New vehicle quality problems are surging amid supply chain snags, record high vehicle prices, and remote work environments. It's according to J.D. Power's new U.S. initial quality study. It shows the worst scores the firm has recorded in 36 years. I caught up with J.D. Power Global Automotive Director David Amadeo about the study and why we're seeing such dismal quality scores this year. Here's our conversation. David Amadeo, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. Well, I've got to ask, of course, we've just had the IQS results out this week. How unusual is it for scores to get worse in a year when the survey wasn't dramatically altered or revamped? Is this unprecedented? It's not unprecedented for results to be worse, uh, but it's certainly unusual. I, I liken it to a recession in the economy. Some years you just have a backward slide. And this is one of those years. I mean, we've in the history of 36 year history of IQS, we've certainly had a few years, certainly not the majority of them, where the industry has gone backwards without us changing the survey mechanism. Uh, you know, it's been a disjointed production year, right? The changing production schedules, the flow of parts has been really inconsistent. Were there an increase in mechanical problems, perhaps related to those sort of fundamental manufacturing processes or not so much? There were some mechanical problems. You know, it was a, an incredibly challenging year in terms of everything that was being thrown at the manufacturers, uh, from supply chain issues to part shortages to COVID response uh, being different all around the world. And all of that impacts a very delicate 
dance that the auto manufacturers do to get everything into the plants at a given time. And some of that is going to impact it. But, you know, by and large, it really wasn't things like doors falling off or engines blowing <laughs> up. Um, it really is, is things a bit more minor in nature. Yeah. Was there an appreciable uh, influence of, of I would they call it, I think, lot rot? You know, the vehicles that were built and sat out there waiting for their last chips or their last bit of functionality before they got shipped. Any sense of like, you know, paint damage or other things that people complained about? I would honestly, I was expecting to see that because I know some manufacturers are uh, leaving their vehicles out there while they're waiting for the parts. And we really didn't see that this year. I think hmm. there has been a quite a bit of learnings over the years in terms of how to avoid things like that. Very cool. Very interesting. So let's get into some of the companies and brands. Um, what happened to Ram? Last year, they were number one. They fell to below average without even, you know, it's not like they launched a new 1500 or 2500. Uh, what, what happened there? Well, we have historically considered launches as all new vehicle launches. So like you mentioned, a new Ram 1500 or 2500. But there really is a little more granularity to it than that. There is also the launch of software. Mm. And software can play just as big, if not a bigger part in the role of quality of a vehicle. And even though they weren't true launch vehicles, you know, the doors are the same as last year and the engines are the same and all that, they did launch new software. And like any launch, as we have seen historically, when you launch, you tend to have more problems than when you don't. So a big launch here for them in terms of software. And I expect like any launch that things will get better next year. Yeah. It still surprised me because they've had such great success with Uconnect. It's been uh, really easy to use, very robust. Um, it, it's been the least prone to these kinds of, of complaints and, and quality problems. But, so was that was it the Uconnect 5 that kind of hit all the Stellantis brands? They did have a major update that brought a lot of customer desired technology into the vehicle. Uh, you know, customers are demanding these sorts of things. They demand interoperability between the vehicle and their phones. They demand that their vehicles do more than they ever have. And so it's almost a requirement that auto manufacturers have to release software updates and sometimes major ones. And the complexity of getting that into a vehicle and getting it right cannot be overstated. Uh, so many more variables that go into doing that in a vehicle versus what you can do on your smartphone. You don't have to worry about driving at 70 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about is the person wearing gloves or not. You don't have to worry about, you know, extreme heat or extreme cold. And, you know, your phone doesn't control as many complicated functions and functions that have to be fail safe as what's in a vehicle. And so that just takes a little bit more time to get right for some manufacturers. Okay. So let's look at the other side of the coin. There was uh, one company, General Motors, that really improved uh, seemingly across the board. Uh, not a lot of new launches, but Buick at number one, Chevy at number three, Cadillac number three among luxury brands. What's GM doing right? Well, GM didn't have any major changes this year. So no launch vehicles, no major system updates. 
So there's that. They did launch a lot of vehicles last year. So what you're seeing is the launch plus one, as we call it, <laughs> where the year after things get better. They are very in tune with their supply chain challenges, and they were able to manage through them. Uh, not to say that other manufacturers weren't. Every OEM faced challenges in a different way. And GM's challenges were a particular way, and they were able to face it head on, and they did a remarkable job of managing through it. So tell me about Tesla. It's uh, it's included in the study this year, but it's sort of it's still sort of in a special category, not eligible for awards. Is that right? Correct. So in the last several years, we have included a Tesla call out uh, to the industry to let everybody know where they're going. They are such a big player in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't consider them a niche brand anymore. And this year we decided, you know what, they really need to be part of the industry average. So we've we've taken a similar approach, but as we have in the past, this time they're just included. And we don't have that representative sample for them. So we're not able to give them any awards uh, if in fact they were to be top in any of our segments. Which they're probably not not terribly close to, but over time it could happen. Anything is possible. <laughs> so it was interesting to me, you know, that you listed the quality for EVs excluding Teslas, and they were, you know, worse than the gas burning cars, the traditional vehicles. Um, but they were actually even uh, Tesla did a little better than other EVs on average. And I think, you know, given their history of build quality, that is not really what people would have expected. First, let's go into EVs in general. What is the challenge with EVs? Why are they doing worse? Is it batteries? Is it software? Is it something else? It, EVs in general, the issue is not with the powertrain. The powertrain is robust. The batteries are fine. What you're finding is a lot of these issues are really around infotainment. And if you think about some of the apprehension that many customers have, with getting an EV, what is the easiest way to overcome the apprehension? Is you make a hugely desirable product. And how do you do that? You do that with styling, you do that with features and technology. And that's what is being loaded up into these EVs. And you see infotainment on an on a internal combustion engine vehicle is a challenge for manufacturers. Now try doubling down on that, adding more features, and what's going to happen in an EV? Well, those problems are going to get worse. And that's what we're seeing. So pushing the envelope on infotainment was a challenge for Stellantis. It's a challenge for those doing EVs. Tesla, of course, does that as well. Is that kind of why they're pretty much in the same, same range as the other EVs? Yes. So Tesla has advertised itself over the years as a uh, software company that happens to make cars. <laughs> and that shows here. So Tesla's issues this year are really around the areas that we've discussed in years past, you know, some build quality issues with panel fits and paint and, and things like that. But in terms of their infotainment system, uh, that does perform better than EVs from legacy manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So one more question before I let you go, um, just because you know, we're in this industry that is so much in flux, kind of out of sorts from <laughs> normal patterns. Prices are incredibly high. They've gone up so much. Uh, some of it's about software. Some of it's about just luxury features in general. 
is there any evidence is is the higher prices that customers are paying making them more demanding or more prone to complain about quality problems in their vehicles we haven't seen that for certain hmm. it's not to say that it doesn't exist i just don't have any evidence to prove it one way or another i mean it certainly can go a couple different ways they can either be pickier or they can be completely delighted and satisfied with what they're getting because maybe they're getting something that they didn't expect, whether that is a higher trim level or a vehicle that was available and not really what they wanted. But unfortunately, we don't really have a lot of information to definitively say yes or no. It's kind of a complicated calculus. Fair enough. David Amadeo, Director of Global Automotive at J.D. Power. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. David Amadeo is Global Automotive Director for J.D. Power. You can find more information about the firm's new initial quality study at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on product plans, vehicle quality, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.